I love the heart of worship uh, that we have in the house here. So I'm Pastor Corey, if we haven't met, uh, by the way. And uh, you've joined us. If it's your first time in church, that's uh, my lovely wife, Pastor Aaron, right there. And if you, if you haven't joined, uh, if it's your first time um, and you haven't been watching online, we are uh, talking about uh, human sexuality. So, surprise. Um, last week I preached a, a sermon called Bring Back Polygamy. added two of those words in there. I just, it was about polygamy though. So, you know, we're not afraid to tackle weird, weird stuff. Um, you want to hear a funny story? Actually, I, I heard this, I think it was last weekend. I heard this from Nasia Gibson, who's Sean's, um, one of Sean's wives. No, I'm just kidding. Like, I just can't get off of that thing. Cause it's so ridiculously funny. They went camping one time with some friends and they said, they described their friends as like very accepting of people. And their friends said to them, and Nasi was saying, um, just so you know, we invited this other family camping too. And just so it's not, um, just so you're aware, how do they say it? It's like, there might be more than two people holding hands around the campfire. And it was like a polygamous thing going on there. And they said it was the most awkward camping trip of all time. But thank you for that story, because that's hilarious. All right, thanks, John. You don't think that's funny? All right. I think it's hilarious. I think it's weird. Uh, you got to go back and listen to it. Um, you know, in this series so far, what we've done is we've defined um, sexuality God's way. So in doing that, we've defined uh, sexuality the enemy's way, which um, is also called sin. Uh, we've also sort of admitted that we haven't really gotten this right in all of our lives, I think, um, and Jesus, even when Jesus came, he said, like, guys, it's not just the act of adultery. That's not just a, if you look at somebody else and you're lusting after them in your heart, like, that's still called sin. And so we've kind of gone back. We've dealt with the sin part. Um, some of you have come from abusive backgrounds and some of you have um, done some stuff. And we've kind of walked through the whole, you know, confession of sin and healing. And uh, today we're going to be talking about married sex, which is like the whole point of the whole uh, thing, I think. And so... Um, Oh, it's going to get worse. You better start laughing because I will just camp out in the awkward because I love it that much. And so uh, Pastor Aaron and I actually wrote this sermon. This is the fun sermon to me. This is the, the, the fun sermon. Um, we wrote this sermon. And then I went through the sermon with uh, uh, Renee to make, because she's got a 12-year-old. And so I'm like, I, it's 14A. I just need to make sure that it's PG um, for her 12-year-old. And so, um, so anyways... Now, this might bring up some, if you have uh, kids in here, like I, my, my daughters are here, so, um, but this might bring up some questions for you at home, um, but I would rather you be dealing with these questions, like, you're welcome, rather you be dealing with these things than Google, uh, dealing with the questions about human sexuality. So, um, now, and Pastor Aaron is going to come up at the end of this and help me preach out like the, oh yeah, it's going to get... And she's super nervous about it. She woke up in the middle of the night with like, oh my goodness, what are you going to say? What are we? And so uh, I'm like, I don't know. Um, I'm just going to see how the crowd is. And, um, now this is a journey, even in our sexuality, we've been married 24 years. It's coming up in 24 years. I, somebody, she told me, somebody, somebody told me how to add up the numbers and she did finally. And now I know how many years we've been married. So, um, and so... 
we've kind of gone through a whole gamut of uh, things in there. And there's a lot of pain whenever we're dealing with this issue in, in somebody's life. There's a lot of pain in there that we have to go back and revisit to help you. And so I, I just ask that you respect that a little bit. But, you know, because sometimes when we go back, I'm like, I don't know if we're coming, you know, because it, it was a deep, dark kind of a pit for us for a long time. And so, um, and so anyways, does that make sense? We're, we're just wanna, we just want to help you not, you know, make the mistakes we did or make the mistakes that the world is making right now. But it's definitely been a journey that we would love to go and redo a lot of if we could. Um, you know, the, the first time we started, like, actually, like, having fun in the bedroom-ish and, you know, like, kind of experimenting with stuff. Um, I think it was the next day, maybe, that, or later that day, we had gotten some walkie-talkies for the kids. And so we were, we were, where Aaron was in the house or in the yard, and, and so I'm like, you know, breaker, breaker, is this walkie-talkie working? And then I said something that she would say was inappropriate about something that happened. And I'm like, hey, what, did you like, you know, did you like it basically? And then I probably said more than that. And, and then our neighbor's voice, her name, was, her name was Sharon and they owned the Greek restaurant in town. And she came on and she said, you know that other people on the block have walkie talkies, right? <laughs> So that, that set Pastor Aaron back a few years, that one. Uh, it didn't really set me back because I'm like, I'm always doing something stupid like that. So, um, but um, I also want to recognize that it, <laughs> it's going to get worse before it gets better. Um, it's like getting a piece of clothing caught in a machinery. Like it's, we're going to go through the machine. So uh, we're going to go through the wash, everybody. Um, <laughs> now... Now, the joy that we're experiencing in our marriage, I see you out there if, if that's not what you're experiencing right now. Um, we were looking down the barrel of an inevitable divorce, I would say, um, unhappiness in our sexuality, but just in life and with each other, and the enemy had gotten in there and really messed us up. So I see you if that's not your story. I see you if you're single. I see you if you're divorced. And, and, um, but we still need to talk about this because this is still what we want for our daughters. And you need to know that what we do is not something we would be ashamed if I heard that my daughters did in their great godly marriages. Like, that would be a, a great thing for... Uh. <laughs> you know, that's the worst part for the kids in here. It's like, because it's not, you know... You're not watching something on TV. This is like mom and dad, and that's what makes it disgusting, right? So... Um. Now, listen... The devil, the devil wants, if you're married, because we're talking about sexuality and marriage right now, and we're going to see what the Holy Spirit says through Paul the Apostle to the Corinthians again. The Corinthians were a messed up church. Um, anyways, we'll get there in a second. But the, um, this, whole, um, this whole idea of, of our married sexuality now, you know what the devil wants to remind us, he wants this to remind us of that. Uh, past baggage and past hurt and past betrayal and past pain. He wants what, what God wants for us now. He wants this to remind us of that. And if you come from like a sexually abused background, um, you know, I was talking with, uh, with Renee and she's like, say my name because maybe somebody needs to talk to me. But, you know, like sexual abuse as a child. But when she's with her husband, Scott, now the enemy wants this to remind her of that. And, she, and this is like the series where we're like, hey, this doesn't have to remind you of that anymore. 
because there is healing for you inside. And so, so Scott doesn't have to carry around this other thing and neither does Renee, you know? This whole idea of like, must protect myself. Well, if you've been hurt, that's the message like, must protect myself. I'm gonna talk about that in marriage and, and how that kind of works, but, but you gotta kind of, maybe this sermon will help. You gotta, if God has healed the broken foot, you don't have to hobble around anymore. But because you've been, maybe that's all that you know, is hobbling around and like, oh, this lack of connection, you know what I'm saying? What you have to do is you have to retrain your brain to put some weight on it. Because if God heals it and God can fix it, put a little weight on it. Yeah, I'm talking about sex, right? <laughs> put a little weight on it. Let's see. Jesus reaches out to the, to the crippled man and he's like, rise and walk. And then he pulls him up. Then he's like, oh no, we're doing this right now. Like, I'm going to heal you, but sometimes you get healed as you go. So, um, now, there's, there's something you need to understand that the enemy will always push you towards sexuality and dating or sexuality, you know, off-site of where it's actually supposed to be because that will hurt you. But when you get married, he pushes you away from, from great married, godly Christian sexuality because it's supposed to be one plus one plus one, God equals one whole integer. He tries to push you away from that. Can I just, this is not like maybe theology. This is just an idea that I had. You know, on earth, you know, a married couple having sex, you know, great sex is, is there's no greater unity that exists in a human relationship than that. Um, as far as kind of all inclusive of everything. Now I hate to, this is gonna mess up worship for somebody. But when we come and worship, it's Jesus, we're worshiping Jesus, and it's his bride, and it's like that kind of intimacy. Where like you are seen, and you see, and you aren't afraid anymore, you know? And it's like, hey, come and speak to me, and correct me, and love me, and protect me. And, and the reason that the devil, because when, when great, you know, there's great sex in Christian marriage, the reason he hates it so much, can I? So there's a lot of theologians that sort of think that, that Satan, who is Lucifer, was an archangel, and a lot of people think that he was kind of like heaven's worship leader. He had a prominent place in heaven, and then he tried to take that worship for himself. And what he eventually did was he divorced himself from God. And you, made in the image of God, as messed up as you are, you're still made in the image of God. And when he sees you worship, and when married couples have sex, and God is in it, he hates it because he hates you and it reminds him of something he'll never have. That's why he wants to break it because he hates being reminded of what he's never gonna get. God is never gonna like love the devil or protect him or be nice to him or kind to him again. He will never have the attention of God. You think that it's a struggle between God and Satan? No, no, the struggle is just here with you. There's no struggle because the devil divorced himself from the family of God. He doesn't get any of what we get anymore. So. It's also why it's important that we allow God and ask God and then do the work to redeem this because I want to remind the devil of what we have that he's never going to get. That's a bad motive for sex. Okay, whatever. Um, that was weird. I should have written that down. It didn't make any sense. All right. But, you know, our, our sex, you know, even our sexuality with, uh, with Pastor Aaron and I, it's been a journey. Um, it wasn't really a struggle for about 10 years because she didn't want to have sex. True. You know, we kind of went into that kid stage, and um, she had some brokenness and some baggage as well. 
and um, some things in, in the past, you know, even as a kid. And so, um, oh, it's going to get weird. I wish somebody would have done something like this so that we could maybe have gotten a good godly mindset about it and gotten some healing early on. But, um, you know, it was probably about 10 years in our marriage before it started really picking up uh, some steam. And, um, you know, we were in the, like, the because we have four daughters, and so we were in the kid stage. Come on, moms, you're like, I know it's like the don't touch me stage. I know how this, I know how the kids happen now. <laughs> like, I don't want any more. I got enough. Like, don't touch me. Um, or you're like, you know, the kids are like mauling you all day. And then your husband wants to like maul you a little bit. <laughs> and you're like, no, man, no, it's just not, you know, not today. Um, and so, um, so it took about 10 years just for that journey really even to start with us. And there were like very dry spells for like months at a time, which were not good. And uh, that's a thing you can probably talk to her about, uh, ladies, if you want to. Um, but, you know, but now I would say we're really good at it. You're really good at it. Because practice makes perfect, everybody. Um. <laughs> She's, yeah, what? No, I'm not going to, no. Now, this all sort of started for us uh, when we went on a trip to Cuba with no kids. Now, if you're married, you need to do whatever trip that you can afford and is in your budget with no kids. This is one of the reasons why, yeah. This is one of the reasons why your kids need to be church kids. Because if it's only you and you never are able to leave them with anybody that you trust, and then you never have leverage, uh, you know. And so uh, early on, Sean and Nassia looked after our kids uh, sometimes, and like even a baby one time. And you have to have friends that you do life with, which is why you go to small group. And, um, and they need to be church kids. I think Jason and Melissa looked after Emily and Lonnie's boys. And that's a lot. <laughs> I mean... Jason probably got tackled 150 times that weekend with <laughs> South African twin boy tackle love, you know. But that's a beautiful thing to give that gift to somebody else. Even if you're not, you know, if you don't have small kids, what a blessing that is to take care of somebody's kids for a little bit just so they have the freedom to go out. And, um, do stuff. Okay. Um, Pastor Aaron woke up worried about this, you know, about this part. Because I'm like, well, you know, Cuba was great. There was sun. There was beach. She loves that sort of thing. Uh, we met some pirates. <laughs> she was all like, are you going to say that part? Because people have problems. Well, let me just handle this whole idea. You know, like, so we had like a glass of rum every now and again. That's what I'm saying here. Now, in the six years since we planted the church, nobody has ever asked me, like, what are your views on alcohol? Because I assume that you can read the Bible about what Jesus made water into wine and, and all those things. Now, I also, you also need to know there's a group of recovering addicts here that you are going to be safe in our homes and it's, we're never going to trip you up with that. And you got to do whatever you got to do and we're going to help you do that because people are addicted to a lot of things, gossip. And we're going to help you out with that too. Um, but an issue is an issue. And, um, and so, but we, we did, now the other side of this too, as I would say, is some people, they really only experience an intimacy, but it's not really an intimacy because they can, they've only experienced it while they're under the influence of something else too. I would say that that's probably covering up issues that you need Jesus to heal because you got to be able to have sex with the lights on too. You know what I'm saying? Like in, like in your good state of mind. And so all of that, we will help you through and you need to be in small groups so you can process some of this healing here. Um, but, you know, like a glass of wine generally isn't like a terrible idea 
Um, if it keeps you from acting like a robot. <laughs> I am a robot. I'm doing what my marriage requires of me. I mean, who doesn't, who doesn't want to have sex with a robo-wife? You know, like, what? Is this pleasing to you, you know? It's, it's going to get way worse. That's what she was worried about when she woke up this morning. What are you going to say about the pirate thing? And that, I'm going to say it. Um, there's this thing, too, where you got to like, mind your manners and like, you got to be attracted to your spouse. Now, I've heard, you know, I have, I have women who come to me and tell me, like, well, I'm not physically attracted to my, to my husband, and I told him. And I'm like, are you insane? Get attracted. <laughs> well, you want him to say the same thing about you? Get attracted. That's your job. Like, get attracted to your spouse. Like, um, that's just being cruel and mean. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on. I got quiet. Okay. But, like, sometimes you just got to do whatever you got to do. Like, make the atmosphere or turn the music up or light candles or buy a yellow raincoat or, like... <laughs> Who's laughing? <laughs> I've heard of married couples. Is this making everybody squirm? I've heard of married couples like literally taking a box of Smarties and just spreading it across the yard and like, kids, you'll have enough time. Uh, like if you've got small kids, all it costs is a box of Smarties. So, um, you know, Pastor Aaron said like drug the kids with mel melatonin and put them to bed. And I'm writing that down and she's like, you can't say that. I'm like, well, you said it. So, <laughs> you know, in the early days of kids, you have your first kid, you're like, you're trying to figure out what it is. Is it their teeth? Is it their stomach? You know, did they have a bad dream? Are they emotionally unstable? Or like, whatever. And so by the time we had three kids, it was like, shot of this, shot of that, baby drugs, man. Just like, straight to bed. Let's do this. Um, <laughs> we're like, look, if they die, like, we can always have more kids, right? So uh, <laughs> parenting humor. If you don't have kids, you don't know. So... Um, <laughs> but the funny <laughs> when the physical aspect it wasn't just physical when it started opening up in our lives what it really did was it started opening up our souls and our lives and spiritually it was an opening so that God could actually start getting to some of the deeper issues so you think that, that if I can deal with the deeper issues then this will open up I don't think it works like that. It certainly didn't with us. When this started opening up, then it started opening because it's like glue. And then it's like, it's why you go to small group too. It's like glue so that when God starts pushing your issues in church, you don't come up with a reason why you need to leave a perfectly good church, right? Because your small group is like, no, no, this is just your issue. Like, let's deal with this. Why are you so touchy about this thing? You know, and so, because God wants us all to grow up. But if you don't have the connection, then he can't put all that much pressure on you. And you're just going to save the same person that you are. You're going to bounce around church to church because nobody really knows you anymore. And so, um, yeah, I got that in about the church there. I like that. Um, 1 Corinthians 7, Paul says, Now getting down to the questions you asked in your very awkward sexual letter to me. Is it, first, is it a good thing to have sexual relations? Can you imagine this letter, right? The early church used to talk about it. Because everybody else is talking about it. And um, people just believe whoever gets to them first. By the way. You think you're smart? Mm. I think we tend to believe whoever gets to us first. Get to your kids first, 
You want the you want the twenty six year old school counselor to talk to them about sexuality? Um, what's happening right now in the world, we find a pastor friend of mine said, I'm getting a lot of young couples and we're finding even with this whole sexuality series, this is what we're getting a lot of. Young people now are like, so what are your views about like promiscuity and stuff like that? And he says, what we would say, like, we're pretty orthodox. We think that sex is supposed to be in marriage and only in marriage. And then there's this like sigh of relief and like, yes, finally, like, thank heavens that somebody's actually like saying, cause all the other stuff doesn't work. And so... Um, now there's this also this idea he's like so he's saying is it good to have sexual relations he says certainly but only within a certain context it's good for a man to have a wife and a woman to have a husband so that's what he's like only in this context so there's this whole idea out there of I just want to test drive the car I hear this all the time I just want to test drive the car I'm like A you're probably test driving somebody else's car but this is really that you might have to sit in small group with that gets weird. But really what it is, this is really more accurately what it's like, is you're not test driving a car. You're, you're, cause Jesus would say, you gotta sign the covenant and pay for it first. Then I'll put oil in the engine. You drive a car without enough oil in it for a while. And yeah, the dating and the hormones and you got a favorite song. I mean, all the things, you can drive it like that, but it's going to do so much internal damage in you that it's not going to run forever and you'll be crashed by the side of the road like everybody else in the neighborhood around you. So this is idea of like, no, sign the contract and keep it here and then I'll put oil in there and then we'll maintain it and this is what it's for. Thank you. Sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them, meaning nothing else is strong enough to contain the sexuality that God put in you. Uh, we got some couples here now that are like, Okay, so we're going to decide that we're not going to have sex until we get married. And they're going to get married. Congratulations. That's a great decision. You're never going to hear it out there, but good for you. Well, because there's this thing, too. Like, if you don't have the patience to wait and put it in marriage, what is going to give you confidence that your spouse is going to keep it in marriage after? I'm just saying, like, that gives you confidence. Like, we can be faithful because you think temptation goes down after you get married? The devil hates it. In marriage, hates it. Temptation goes way up, I think. Um, and this provides uh, for a balanced and fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. Meaning, if you don't keep it in marriage, it's going to be unbalanced and it's going to be uh, chaos and it's going to be disorder and you're going to be fragments of you everywhere. The marriage bed must be a place of mutuality. The husband seeking to satisfy himself, sorry, his wife, and the wife seeking to satisfy her husband. Then it says this, marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. Can I just speak to this for a second? You're like, oh, I disagree with the Bible because I got to stand up for my rights. I don't think you were ever really supposed to be the one to stand up for your rights. Not in a family. You think my daughters have to stand up for their rights in the family? It's my job. Well, but pastor, but I, no, we're going to talk about the real thing. I think some of us have the real thing, but we won't even let it get that far because we've been told by our moms that you gotta protect yourself and you gotta stand up for your rights. You know what's even better? When you're in a family of God and we stand up for you. And we go to bat for you, when we go to war for you. 
And uh, it's not my job and my relationship to stand up for my rights. It's my job to stand up for her rights, and it's her job to stand up for my rights. Even in the church, you know, like people would be critical of me about something dumb most of the time or something real. I don't really defend myself all that much because it's not really my job. You defend me. I'm fighting for you. I get up. I sweat this. And then I'll do the same thing for you. Now, um, it's this whole idea of like it's, it's a place of mutuality. So it's a decision, it says, to serve the other, whether in bed or out. So serving the other person. So this is like, this is like what do you need? What do you want to do? Let's go. Let's try it. Let's do what you want to do. Come on, ladies. Somebody. Let's do what you want. I was talking about this uh, to the prayer team last night uh, who meet here on Saturday nights to pray. And I said, there's, there's sexual offense in married couples. Like, I'm offended with the other person sexually for something that happened. Okay, offense is a choice to hang on to something that you need to let go of. Now, hurt is one thing. Or if something is not working or it's uncomfortable, like, say something. Like, you're a child of God. Say something. But the other side of this, too, is like, you got to give up being offended about something forever. Because it's just like, you're drinking poison and you just got to let it go. And stop making, beating the other person up for it. But as I'm saying this, and I'm like, we got to, this is how I have to approach my side. What do you want to do? Let's do that. And as I'm saying this, like, what do you want to do? And I wasn't quite finished. The Bluetooth speaker kicks on with, believe, super loud. When I say, I want it that way. Now tell me there's not, tell me God isn't real. I just stood up and walked out. I'm just like. What else am I going to say? That song playing on that speaker in the prayer room at that time. Abstaining from... <laughs> it's because your mindset is wrong. It's because your mindset is wrong. You don't come and worship... This, this, look, you don't come and worship in the Lord's house in this marriage of the... You don't worship your way. It does not worship. You worship God's way. Well, I shouldn't worship my spouse. No, just can, stop being selfish for a second. Yeah, like obviously not. Your spouse isn't Jesus. But I'm just like, you don't worship your way. You worship God's way. This is the way he needs it. You think God didn't give you salvation the way you needed it? Because he didn't need it. He came down and died in the dirt. Because that's what you needed. So don't, don't act like this is a huge deal to give up something of our self-will. He says, abstaining from sex is permissible for a period of time if you both agree to it. Now, somebody's written in this letter, I'm going to assume it's a lady, who said, like, oh, we're just, I'm just, I'm making my husband fast sex a little bit. <laughs> yeah, if you both agree to it, and if it's for the purpose of prayer and fasting, meaning, like, if you're, like, if you've cut this off in your married relationship, because careful, you better not be eating, too. I'm just saying what the Bible says is, don't shoot the messenger. And you better be praying at the same time, too. But only for such times. Then come back. Then get back to... Then get it on. This is what, this is Satan has an ingenious way of attempting us when we least expect it. I'm not understanding commanding these periods of absence. You just wrote about it, and I just don't know what you're getting at here. Only providing my best counsel. If you should choose it, I'm not sure why you're doing it, though. And I wonder about it. So, sometimes he says, I wish everyone were single like me. It's a simpler life in many ways. He's like, I'm living my best life, though. You can. He's like, I don't have to remember birthdays. I watch football all Sunday afternoon. Don't have to clean up, clean up baby vomit. It'd be a pretty sweet life. 
I don't have to watch movies where people cry. Um, but he says celibacy is not for everyone any more than marriage is. The gift of, uh, God gives the gift of single life to some and the gift of married life to others. So unwrap your gift that God has given you and enjoy that gift and quit looking over your brother's gift at Christmas and be like, I wish I had that. God gave you the gift that you need. So Now, because this is awkward, I'm not going to talk about our sex life anymore. I'm going to talk about my car. <laughs> so I have like a Kia Stinger, which I, I know it's a Kia. I've got to stop apologizing about that. But, but the BMW M division guy created this car for Kia and the, you know, German luxury car snob people couldn't get their heads around it. But this car that I bought is like chipped. It's got like 430 horsepower. It's fast. It's an awesome car. It's sitting out back right now. It's an awesome car. I'm not going to talk about our sex lives. I'm going to talk about my car. <laughs> so I noticed that when I get in the car, it automatically starts in comfort mode. And, and comfort mode, what it does is it, it's kind of a, like a little sluggish and there's too much. My kids are here. I'm going to look over here. And it's because I'm, I'm talking about my car though. So, and it rides like super easy and it kind of just floats down the road. But that's not why I bought that car. And every time I get in there, I got to put it in sport mode. But here's the one thing I noticed when it's in comfort mode, it actually uses more fuel than when it's in sport mode. So I was talking with a friend of mine, not about my sex life, but with, about my car. <laughs> and this is what he said, well, it changes the shift points because the car is designed, it's a performance car. It is designed to run at these RPMs and shift at these points. But it's like a little rough, because it's a sports, it's meant to. He said, you got to drive it like you mean it. <laughs> about my car. And it runs cleaner, and I get better mileage when I drive it hard. I'm just... God gave you a Corvette, and you're, you think it's a Winnebago. That's the problem. Like, hey, I'm just going to take it easy, and like, let's take it all at everybody's speed, and like... But a 1972 Winnebago that's broken down by the side of the road and stops for gas every 10 miles. And when you stop for gas, and you eat chips and drink pop, And it's held together with duct tape. And God gave you something beautiful and you're not driving it like. Now, if you own it, we own it and we drive it like we stole it. <laughs> now, the next part's gonna get a little weird. So, um, Jason, can you. I brought some sermon aids for my children. Just, if you guys need to do this for your own comfort level, just put, put those, okay. Do you have an extra set there? Because one of my kids is, uh, well, you, maybe you want to give it to Pastor Aaron. Okay. Actually, you know what we're going to do right now? Um, I just handed out noise-canceling earmuffs. Um, I'm going to get Pastor Aaron on stage. You want to hear from Pastor Aaron? Because she helped me write this sermon. She's like, well, I, I can't hear you. Can you come on stage, sweetheart? Um, <laughs> oh, I might be sleeping on the couch, but maybe not. Maybe not. Um, yeah, you're on. So, um, so we wrote this together, and I think you wanted to uh, yeah. say this part. I think this is important for you to hear. Um, this isn't 
just another man telling women to have more sex. This is us teaching you about the beauty and the importance of, of a healthy sexual relationship in the context of marriage. And so I just really want you to know that that is our heart. And that's why we're, I know this is like an awkward Sunday sermon, um, but we think it's that important. It's only awkward it's if you think that design. it's awkward. Right. It's awkward. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and the reality is there's protection in, in, a, in the context of marriage. There's a commitment. You know, he's paid for it. There's the protection. There's the, um, he treats me like a daughter of God, not like a princess, but a daughter of God. And so within that context. Don't pass over that. Not a princess, a daughter of God, a fighter and a soldier. That's the princesses don't have to do anything but get their nails done. This gal can work for the kingdom. This gal can fight. So. Yeah. But, but I don't treat her like a princess, and there's a reason why, because I don't want to be treated like a king. I'm just a servant. I'm just here to work. You know? Yeah, that's good. And uh, sometimes after dating takers or having a relationship where you feel like you've been taken advantage of, um, my dad left when I was a kid. I was hurt as a kid. My mindset, um, it affected me. It affected our relationship. Um, and it didn't really give him a chance at times because I had that mindset of men are takers. Um, so sometimes your mindset has to shift. And because you're also transferring that taker mentality to God as well. Because remember, this is a metaphor and a picture of our intimacy with the Lord. And so don't pass over that either. That's very important too. Yeah. Okay. So we have um, um, five, um, five ways to spice up your life in the bedroom. Headphones. Headphones. <laughs> yeah. Um, number, number one. Get vocal. That means like Ache. talk, like communicate. Wait. Also talk flirty. To one another. Don't be afraid of that. Preach. Uh, your desire follows your words. That's why worship is so important. We're using our words to worship God. Um, so get vocal. Use your words. Your desires follow your words. Speak where you want your desires to go. Speak about your spouse. Talk about your spouse. Talk to your spouse. Um, create language. Here's what I want to say, particularly for the guys. Guys, we, we still have to ask for it sometimes because the other person doesn't know what we need. But create language so it doesn't feel like you're begging. Because begging for what you need is not good in marriage. And so, um, and I shouldn't have to beg for what I need. You know, like nobody has to beg me to go to work every day and put a roof over, you know. Nobody has to beg me for that. That's my job. I love it. I love to be able to do that. So create language and be creative about creating language so that you don't traumatize your kids. Like, hey, we should have sex today. Oh, my goodness. Create language that's like, um, I don't know. For me, it's like, I don't no, know, just like make up something. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say our stuff. I'm not going to say our stuff. No, no, no. Our kids are going to be like, that's what you meant? No. Um, just be like, uh, like, man, I need new shoes. I need new Nikes. Just do it. I'm like, Dad loves those shoes, man. You know. Create a language that you can say it in the middle of the day or text it so that when your kids get your phone, it doesn't scandalize them and freak them out. Um, ladies, I don't know, like, what are you guys into? Like, hey, man, I could go for some broccoli. <laughs> Just say it. Like, your kids are going to be like, oh. And then later they're going to be like, we, we didn't get broccoli today. And they're like, relieved. And mom's like, well, no, we had some. <laughs> like, dad had some broccoli? Oh, yeah, dad loves broccoli. You know, so I mean, just... He loves it, don't you? Love it. Yeah. Okay. 
It's super important here to communicate with one another. You shouldn't have to be guessing what each other's thinking, so use your words. It's not fair to let your emotions um, well, here's, here's what I would say too. Like guys, you have to learn to communicate your need. Even the Lord says, "Ask for what you need." It, it's good for humility. Like, ask for it. You're grown up. Ask for it. The other side of that too is I shouldn't have to guess what she's feeling. That's her job. Like, why do I have to get inside of her weird emotional whatever and figure that out? Well, I don't even but, know. If she knows what she's feeling. But for a long time, I wanted him to draw me out and wanted him. I thought it was his job, but really, I have to take responsibility for what I'm feeling to communicate it clearly to him. Um, it's not fair for him to not know what I'm expecting. And vice I'm versa. Thinking. You know, like, it's a guessing game that I'm only going to lose because she never tells me. I'm like, well, you go to the Lord and figure out what it is that you need me to do, and I'll do that. Like, it's not a problem, but I just, for, like, figure out how I'm feeling. I don't know how you're feeling. I'm thinking about the Liverpool game, you know? So, I mean, you really think that we have the intelligence to do that. So help us out, you know? Okay, um, listen, get vocal. Nobody wants to make out with a mannequin. Hopefully. <laughs> Nobody wants to make out with a mannequin. Um, but, like, no, that's not fun for anybody to do that. So, um, like, think like you're eating ice cream. It's really yummy and delicious. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Number two, you ready? Number one is get vocal. Number two, get creepy. You got to use your eyes. All right. Come on. You're going to love this one. Use your eyes. What's that thing you used to say when I would stare at you? Stop harvesting me with your eyes. That's what she Stop harvesting and I'd be like... I can look at whatever, I, I can look at, I own this, I can look at this whenever I want, I can look at this all day. Yeah, you I never want. stop thinking about it, oh, yeah, so, it was. yeah. <laughs> I'll be like, what am I thinking about right now? She's like, I know what you're thinking about right now. That's what you're always thinking about. Um, so, um, and give each other something to look at, or the enemy will. So, you can remove temptation from your spouse, give them something to look at in the home. So that they don't go out there and they're not tempted by something else, because like, their love bucket is full all the time, Right? And so that they see other, you know, other people of the opposite sex as like brothers and sisters and not temptation objects or anything like that. And so for this, you know, Pastor Aaron had an orphan, Annie. We're taking a little time on this. Are you okay? This is... We used to have a, this dress that I called an orphan Annie dress, which looked like somebody just removed the sack of potatoes and put Aaron in there. And I'm like, so that doesn't work I for me. It like, so it's much. the worst. She's like, I love this. It was like a... One of those test your husband to see if he really loves you dresses. And I'm like, what? It was like I can't even guess what's going on in there, you know? I'm like, where other stuff? Like, don't dress like a pioneer. We have, uh, we have heat in houses. You don't have to wear 15 layers of everything. I'll just turn the heat up in the house, you know? Number three. Number three. Can I just say one more thing about oh, the yes. begging? So this goes back to the communication thing. If you make your spouse beg for it, they're eventually going to stop asking because they don't want to feel the rejection if you keep saying no. So um, just be aware of that. That's why communication is so important. But be, be careful in those communications to each other. Don't just shut each other down. Make sure that you're in a loving way. It's not just saying, like, no, I don't feel like it today. Like, you you want all? them to go someplace else? You don't like being looked at? Come on. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't want him to look at she likes it. She secretly Sorry. loves it. What's up? Okay. N number, number three. Um, I'll do this one. Get a little inappropriate. Of course. going to do this have, one. Have fun. Some of y'all don't know that there's a fun switch. And sometimes you've got to turn off the brain switch a little to get the fun switch on. Like, just, I feel like I just had to say this. It's only a scandal if it doesn't belong to you. And if you get caught. <laughs> 
So that's all I'm gonna say. Keep, kids, keep those on. Number four, get ideas. Get ideas. Uh, oh, use your imagination. Try anything, but don't just like shut it down because it didn't. You know, give something a chance. Um, listen, nobody likes exercise or eating healthy. You know, sane people. But you love what it does to your body. You love how it makes you feel. This is an investment like that. So like yeah. once you do the push-ups, then you feel great about it. Then you actually enjoy the exercise. This is what you're doing, you know? So stop, stop treating it like junk food. Like, hey, I'm not, no, just give it time and use your imagination. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't have to be boring. You don't wear the same socks every single day. Some of you even wear two different socks. And I mean, that's okay. <laughs> okay, not, okay, one, one spouse. There's two, two different socks. There's so many, I'm talking about clothing, so many different outfits you could be trying on. Get imaginative. Some of you haven't had an original thought in years about this. And if you were that, if you lack that imagination at work, you'd get fired. Don't get fired in the bedroom. Bing. I know it's super bad, but I'm just like, use your imaginations. That's what they're there for. Imagine the other person and okay. Move on, moving on. I don't know, like throw granola at each other and maul each other to see if it works. Or eat candy, you'll work it off. Like, just something, try something that's fun. Okay, there's a good All right, and number five, point number five, uh, come on up worship team. Uh, this one here is, is, okay, get more and give more sex to your partner. So every time that somebody waves at you in the lobby, every time you high-five somebody, I want you to be like, hey, ooh, we should probably think about... It protects you, it connects you, it brings unity, it deals with selfishness, it reminds you that you are with another person until death do us part. I only have eyes for you. Come on, somebody, high five your neighbor. Don't, I don't know, like if you're married. So high five. Hey, get more, have more sex because it protects you and it's God's gift to you. All right. I'll dismiss you to your vulnerability, vulnerability hangover. Wasn't she great? Thank you, Pastor, for having the courage to do that. You know, there was a time, there was a time when she wouldn't have had the courage to do that and she wasn't healed, healed enough to do that. But so I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Okay, now um, cue the old religious people hotline for complaints. <laughs> Some people, man, they've take, taken the fun out of Christianity somehow. They'll take the fun out of married sex too. Um, but mostly religious people. Listen, go out there and have fun if you're married with your spouse. If not... Let's keep it uh, in the context that God wants us to be. Now, here's what I want to say. Let me, I know we've taken a little time on this, but have you ever thought of bringing God into the bedroom? Have you ever thought of like praying before you have sex and like, Lord, I pray that I would be a great servant in this relationship. I pray that I would, I would be able to do things and be used in a way that honors you, but also honors my spouse, but also is fun and engaging. And I don't want to be selfish, Lord. I pray that you would be in the bedroom with us. And have you ever afterwards thanked God for it? Because one plus one plus one equals one. Thank God. I'd be like, thank you, God, for this incredible gift. Every good and perfect gift comes from God, from the Father of lights, with whom there is no shadow of turning. And so we're going to sing a song called I Thank God, and hopefully we don't wreck it for everybody. Yeah.